Um, I've always been a, a fun, awesome, uh, playful dad. And it was weighing on me then where I would come home and like my wife would be like, man, you're sitting at dinner and you're just staring off into space. And it's like, it's because I just would constantly think about a better life. And how can you sit there and think about a better life when you have what we now have is then two, but three amazing boys. I have an incredible wife. We have a great house, cars, a job that was supporting us, like family. How could you sit there in a state of like depression and loss with all those things and not have any gratitude? And so it really burned me to the point where I got so distraught about it that I was like, I need to, I need to design my own life plan. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so welcome back. So today on the show, we have Troy Royce. Troy is a previous uh, guest on the show, where we, uh, we sort of delved into his, his life and, and, and his, in his journey and what he was currently passionate about. So he's, he's come on the back on the show today to give us a little bit of uh, practical steps to break free and pursue what makes you smile, as well as a few other issues with coronavirus being quite prevalent right now. So uh, Troy, welcome to the show. Joel, thanks for having me, man. I love having these conversations. Yeah, me too, man. We sort of dipped in a little bit pre-conversation, um, which people are not going to be privy to. Um, so tell us what's going on right now. You and your family safe? What are you doing? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. And I think... Most of us are in this place of like, uh, what do we do with our lives? What does business or income look like for us? And then uh, not only being appreciative for family time, but how do you build in new routines? If you have kids that go to school and you're not homeschooling or you have to manage homeschooling with running a business, if you're two working parents, what that looks like. And so, so many things are what I would call being flipped on their head. And so what, what's cool is I had an opportunity to go through a four-week intense program called the All-MBA. So Seth Godin, who's a well-renowned marketing guru, created this program. And as part of the program, they teach you to go through an exercise that's called take a life event, whether it's in business or personal, and flip it on its head as if it would disappear tomorrow. And why this exercise is so crucial is we oftentimes plan for uh, disasters, recoveries, and growth, but we never plan for things that we don't know. And so what coronavirus uh, has created is like this mentality of all of a sudden there's this thing out there that's completely dissipated everything that I've built for most people. And if you're fortunate enough to still uh, be in a job or be uh, promised a job on a short-term basis throughout this, this virus, then you're at least sitting in a good place where you can think about some other things that you'd like to grow and, and uh, take value in. But for those that run a business that requires like people to meet with people and face-to-face restaurants and of those type of nature have never really thought about this impact. You know, they've only thought about, competitors like what happens when i have a competitor come in what happens when the market gets concentrated what happens when um i fall behind the times and i don't know how to market to the right people on the right demographics and so we always shift our lives around like what would happen when change happens as we progress into the future and how can we grow and sustain profitability for our business and our ventures but we never just say all right now i for example i run a speaking business 
And that requires for me to speak in conferences, school systems, which actually physically means that I'm at the place talking with people, shaking hands, whatever it is. And if I'm no longer able to do that, what do I do? And so this exercise basically teaches you to just take a situation and flip it on its head and say, like, if this disappears tomorrow, how are you going to take one step forward to staying on a progression to grow where your business or whatever it is that you're, you're focusing on? And so in the exercise, um, it literally teaches you and what, what Joel and I were kind of talking about for his podcast is like uh, deep structure thinking. And one practice that you can use for that is solitude. And a lot of people understand solitude as like sitting in a dark room, just letting your thoughts flow or laying on a yoga mat or whatever it is. But really in an essence, like solitude is finding your best way to carve out time for yourself to actually reflect on what's currently happening and then thoughts of creativity of where it could be. And so throughout the this exercise as an individual you were tasked with going back and looking at your current state of whatever life event that you chose whether it's a business or personal and flipping it to as if it didn't exist anymore and then coming up with potential outcomes from there versus going through a decision and outcome tree based on what you already have and what you already planned for because most of us have like these short-term plans where we're like uh, six months growth here one year growth there. If a competitor comes in, I shift here. But we never just say all of that is dead in the water and we're back to square one, almost to the place that we were at when we built the thing. As far as like, I want to become a entrepreneur that does service for people as a consultant. And what's step one for me? How can I build towards what I'm valuable at? What's the step one to finding the right people to leverage resources so that I can grow as fast as I can. And so you have to almost go back to that place and get yourself in a mindset that if you were to just start over, that's where you should go. And during these type of times, it's more crucial to do that than ever. And so for me personally, um, having a speaking business that's basically dissipated, um, I've been fortunate enough to be contacted for a few virtual speaking events. But other than that, I've kind of reshifted my focus towards uh, what my other business is, which is owning the agriculture company in Farmbridge. And then in the distant future, thinking about uh, repurposing what I speak about in schools to more online course programs and videos and things that I can share whenever and that's available whenever. And that if a speaking gig comes up, it's more because like people have engaged in some online learning. They know who I am. Maybe they follow what I write about. And then I can come in additionally and speak to them. And the revenue driver is an additional versus having it be available to them at all times. And then for the entrepreneur business, um, a lot of what I did over the last few years was meeting with farmers and meeting with people in the community. And that is not possible anymore. And so we are fortunate that we're launching a brand new platform coming up in late April, early May, where I've been able to dedicate time to building learning programs. So one of the things we're going to offer is uh, we're going to apply lean manufacturing into farming. And so it's not a new concept, but it's starting to take off a little bit more for small to mid-sized farms. Um, some large scale farms are doing it, but with a seven to eight year background and being a green belt lean practitioner, I'm building an entire uh, lean program on fundamentals, but then 
working with the farming community to have, have them take videos of themselves on their farm, applying lean principles and running highly produ productive, uh, profitable farms, and then putting this program on our new platform to help educate farms on running better businesses. And so I put all my time into that, but how to get there is to literally uh, carve out 30 minutes to an hour a day and just let my thoughts flow. Um, and sometimes that looks like uh, sitting outside with a journal and then just writing things down. Sometimes that means sitting on a yoga mat uh, in a dark room. Um, I've often went to like a nature park and sat on a bench and just thought for a minute. Um, but there's so much power and research in this. Like there's, so there's, I'll share a resource right now. I'm reading a book called Lead Yourself, uh, which has a lot of um, examples in there about uh, presidents of the United States, army generals and everything that would literally take these moments of what I'm talking about and sit in their tents in the woods during chaos in the midst of, of a war and just write their thoughts down. And some people within their their uh, command would would look at that and be like, well, "What are they doing? Like, we need orders. We need to move forward. We need to do that." And a lot of things in life are the same way, where we have so many moving parts every single day that we are constantly just managing how we react. Like, it's uh, something happens, we come up with a response, we react, and then we do it again, and then we continue to build on that. And then at the end of the day, we hope that we've made the right response that helps us grow. But in most cases, we're just kind of almost going through life, just managing all the different changes that are thrown at us, most of them externally, because within a digital age and everything we learn, it seems to control how we act. It seems to control how we feel, how we let others in. Even if you're somebody that is very true to yourself and not always willing to let somebody else in, there's still that instance where somebody says something or somebody else does something, or maybe a competitor does something and you're like, Oh man, I'm falling behind the times. And all of a sudden you've set your entire day around reacting to what's externally happening in your life versus actually looking internal and what this book talks about, which is a focus of always leading yourself. And so in those moments, it ended up proving to be true, which is like, I can't effectively give uh, commands or direct to anybody until I've actually structured my own thoughts so that I can lead myself to be able to lead others. Otherwise, we're just always leading on what other people are doing and reacting to that. And in most cases, that gets you into trouble, not only in war, which is critical, but in life in general. And right now, and Joel, I know we were talking about this, is we have a significant opportunity to spend that time for ourselves and start to practice what it looks like to build something great. And so the one thing that um, I share with students today on a very basic level is if you're in this this moment where you want to shift towards something that you want to do the rest of your life you've thought about it you've taken small steps towards it you know that right now you could really optimize on that I think it's important now to first identify what that thing is that you care about and how that aligns to your core values and the reason I started that is before you build anything, you have to know what that means to you because you could build something for years, maybe even have it be super successful to the point where it's your income driver, it makes you happy financially. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't really align with your core values and it was just a cool idea, that often leads people unfulfilled. It leads you down a path of depression. It leads you towards doing something else again and starting over. 
And so the point you want to get to is, I have this cool idea. Now, what does this mean to me? How does this align to my core values? Do you care about helping people? Then what does your idea look like for helping people? And how does that look like when you get up every day and take one step towards that so that you can remind yourself that you're doing something that you truly care about? And at the end of the day, you can reflect back on and say, wow, that was really cool because I believe in the power of helping people. And even though I've created this cool, unique service or whatever it is to help out, the essence of it is still the core, which is helping people. And so I always start with identify your core values, then identify the why plus the idea. And then on that idea is where you start to build out what I would call a small scale vision, which is to me, a vision is something that you aspire to achieve, but may never actually see the ultimate level of fruition in that. In other words, like I'm going to build something that I might actually teach my kids or somebody else as, as, an, uh, as a mentor to continue on. And it's an ongoing thing. And I'm going to accept that the beauty in that is that it's something that will continue to grow. And so a vision is, has that capability where it's not an end game. And that, that's what keeps you getting up every day. It's not the, in year one, I'm going to accomplish this amount of sales, this amount of connections, this amount of relationships. That gets you to an end point. What gets you to the growth part is this is what my life wants to create and the value that it wants to provide. And this is what it looks like to educate somebody else to build on that for future generations to come. And so think about what a small scale vision looks like. Acknowledge your fear. So most of us have at least a handful of fears that come in as soon as we start to do something new, whether it's a change in what we're currently doing, whether it is a uh, financial uh, thing, let's say like, I want to start something and I know that it requires capital. And right now I don't have a lot of capital, but somebody else does. And so you have to slowly shift your mind towards this uh, life of abundance. And I know Joel, you've talked about this too, is like living in this moment of, of abundance and opportunity. It's important to remind yourself that that thought process will actually help you break down most fears because most fears that we have are incremental in the aspects of what people tell us, what we experience, what we see, but it's not in the aspect of what is out there that is unknown. And so your goal should be to not only think about abundance, but to think about uh, all the things that you don't know and the aspect of like flipping out its head and then using that to fuel you every day and, and over, overcome those fears. And then the, the one, the last practical step I'd give you is, when we get so excited about doing something, and this happened to me uh, personally, we, we whiteboard uh, or we write down all these thoughts and everything that we want to create. We get all this excitement, which anything in life that we do is brand new, even if it's like going on a vacation with your family for the first time in a different place or a des designation or destination. We get so excited that we get overwhelmed. And so you almost have to self-control yourself, which is like, I have this awesome plan. Now write down one thing that'll help you take one step towards that. Like you want to start a consulting business. Maybe consulting means that you have to truly find out what the value is and that uniqueness that you're going to offer to people, how you can build in that experience, how you can leverage what you already know and what people already see in you. Like if you were to ask a friend or a family member about your business and they'd say, Oh yeah, um, Joel is exceptional at that because every time I talk to him, I can't wait to learn the next thing. I'm so into the conversation. Like I, I can't find myself peeling out of it. And so find that, find that moment 
And then write down like that one thing that helps you build in that. And then think about what it looks like to create the future self of that. Not necessarily, um, I'm going to do this one thing today, and then I'm going to abandon that thing six months from now. You think for the future self of me to build a consulting business, I need to do this one thing for the next two years. And then I need to build one small thing on top of that, maybe every day, every week, to slowly grow a foundational business that people care about, but that plays into my core values. Okay, man. I mean, a couple of points I want to touch on. Like, I'm, I'm huge on values. Uh, when I was the most lost I've ever been in my life, when I was the most depressed, most angry, frustrated, and just worst place I've ever been. And then somebody explained what values were, and we had to <clears throat> we had to fill in a sheet and come back with six, five to six values that we had to then structure into like not quite a life purpose, but it was you know how that how those values fitted into into our life, uh, and being able to do that gave me such amazing clarity. I think we touched on this last time actually, but it's it's invaluable that actual you know the values piece. Um, so just out of curiosity, so what, what might yours be? Yeah, yeah. So um, the two things that I came up with in life are uh, education and agriculture, and which led to speaking in schools about sharing my story of bullying um, and leading with growth mindset. And then agriculture is just because I believe in food health, um, not only for our, our family, but for teaching kids. Uh, because it's so easy to lean on convenience that we go to a grocery store or even the home environments we live in, school systems and all that help promote convenience. And we all understand why that is because what convenience in an essence is how to save time. And time is something that we can never get back. And so internally, we know that that's to be true. And because of that, we naturally go towards anything that's convenient. Like, online shopping, having Amazon deliver anything to our porch. And all of that is an essence of how I can maximize my time and doing whatever I feel like I need to get done uh, on a given day. And so with that comes challenges because if convenient is to eat uh, unhealthy foods that have uh, high processed sugar uh, food dyes, which we do a lot of talks in the community about, which is research on um, causing like ADHD and things like that in kids. Um, it's also been researched to try and prove to cancer. There's nothing been proven yet, but, and so just even being aware of that, like, what are you eating that has food dyes in it? And is it impacting the way that your kids learn in school, the way that they behave at home? And then what does that look like when they get disciplined for behaving like that, even though they were just fed all that type of, of sugar and, and food dyes. And so there's this whole cycle behind how we can lead our days, teach others, most importantly, teach our kids and the youth that still don't understand a lot of different things that we do today and how we can help them grow in that. And so I wanted to just figure out how I could do my part. And that's how we landed on FarmBridge because I wanted to basically help the people that grow our food because I want them to stick around for a long time. And then I wanted to turn around and give back uh, to the communities and help educate um, our youth on what the importance is of farming and everything. And so we have some, our, our vision uh, basically is to go in and partner with schools and build these um, learning, uh, cooking, growing programs 
and then also uh, leverage church. And so we're working with uh, ministry and farms to access uh, what we know to be true is that there are a lot of um, church land, uh, most specifically across the United States, that is that goes unused. And so why wouldn't we leverage church in the communities and knowing that there's farmers that work uh, or that go to particular churches, there are program directors at certain churches and help educate kids while on the soil, um, while they're even at church or whatever, and then start growing and planting uh, on the church land and build educational programs that way. And so those are our two visions that we plan to do with our business. I mean, our business in nature is helping farms run sustainable businesses through applying lean principles from the lean manufacturing uh, concept from Toyota uh, in the midst of uh, combining resources for them with other coursework, access to farm worker profiles, people that are excellent at working on farms and equipment, um, and then also helping train uh, people that work on farms to think about lean, to think about creativity, uh, to think about using different tools and stuff on the farm. And so it'll be an ecosystem for helping the farming community grow viable businesses, which will then in turn allow us to go in and, and educate and uh, use those foundational systems to support the growth of, of our youth. I mean, I think that, 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 that fascinates me. Um, people doing jobs, they've got a natural uh, tendency for. So like, so for me, I, I'm I'm very systems and processes thinking. So for me, an, a nice fit is quality, and that's that's where I sit. Um, yes. But it's also got a natural curiosity with regards to like lean and six sigma. So there's that that leanness to the system and the process. Like you know, I didn't I didn't realize you were uh, was a green belt. So, but that what intrigues me, right? And I've always wondered, what if society, if they did this profiling, where people were assessed, not on their grades that they've achieved in school, but on on their, their, their fitness for purpose of the job they're gonna do. And then you've got all these different people being fulfilled, doing doing whatever they're doing. And then you're not gonna get that. Uh, like for me, it was a midlife crisis, but when everything just seems like it's falling apart, you know? Because you've, you've, yeah. you've, been, you've been on the rat wheel for so long, uh, is it, you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do, you know. So, is is that is that what you're actually talking about that profiling part there, or is or is it something else? Yeah, yeah. I had this. I had the same point as you did, Joel. I mean, it wasn't until I I was living the rat race for well, from a career perspective, a better half of ten years. Um, and you know, it wasn't even that I was uh, stuck in a job that I wasn't progressing in or anything. And I was, I mean, I was progressing and I was making the money that would support my family and everything. But what wasn't happening is it wasn't aligning with anything that I wanted to do. And then when I thought about waking up every day and progressing towards where I was, it left me feeling like um, lonely and lost because I felt like I would go and I would do the best I could and then come home and then think about how like I didn't do anything like I didn't I didn't impact anybody I didn't maybe I did but I didn't see it but to me personally it didn't align with my core values so that I could um, impact people in the way that I thought made sense and you know what I often talk about too is like 
we can all end up um, practicing something, getting good at it, getting hired to do it, making good money, offering some value people. But I don't think that we can actually offer true value to somebody else until we're doing ourselves a service by doing the things that we value. And so it's almost like this, this process of like your core values equal value offered to others. And if you can just follow that process, then that's the kind of balance that only provides uh, what other people care about aligned with what provides you with life fulfillment. And I wasn't to that point until I basically had a breakdown. I, w- I, was, I was depressed. I had a state of depression and it carried on for probably a good uh, two years. I would cover it up with um, shaming and blaming others, uh, being stressed at home. Um, I've always been a, a fun, awesome, uh, playful dad. And it was weighing on me then where I would come home and like my wife would be like, man, you're sitting at dinner and you're just staring off into space. And it's like, it's cause I just would constantly think about a better life. And how can you sit there and think about a better life when you have what we now have is then two, but three amazing boys. I have an incredible wife. We have a house that's uh, that, uh, a great house, cars, a uh, job that was supporting us, like family. How could you sit there in a state of like depression and loss with all those things and not have any gratitude? And so it really burned me to the point where I got so distraught about it that I was like, I need to, I need to design my own life plan. And to do that, it's going to help me start to do the things that I should be doing today, which is being grateful for the things that I have, being present for the people and and myself and the way that I lead my life. And how I was going to do that was start spending time for myself to think about uh, what it would look like to do that, start thinking about what I care about and write it out, knowing that I have no idea where it's going to go. I mean, when we when we started to build Farmbridge, I was so confused. Like, I was like, where is this going? What are we going to do? I mean, I just talked about how we're building this resource for farming. We built an online farmer's market shopping model because that was where we landed. And I had no idea what I was doing. And we lost a ton of money. Like, it, the business tanked like crazy because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't run it effectively. And, but at the end of the day, like, I went to bed and I still had a smile on my face because at the end of the day, regardless of money and it didn't work and all that, I had an opportunity to design something towards what I wanted to build. I started building all these tremendous relationships with the farming community and people that cared about what I cared about and the value that I was offering, whether I was making money or not. And it just felt good. It, it almost like, and I think like you get to this point where you're like, um, does this help me get up every day and smile and does everything else disappear? And that's what it truly feels like. I mean, every day I get up and I can't wait to take one step. Even if I spend one hour of work growing Farmbridge or one hour of work um, writing towards getting another speaking gig, it actually helps me smile and love every single minute of my day. And that's what I try to get people to the point of getting to. And it looks and and feels different to everybody else. But if you get to that point, then the outcomes that you ultimately hope for will come. It just takes that that long-term commitment aligned with the values that help you uh, feel that passion. 
what came to mind then when you were saying about that, that platform you built for the farmers was often in life, and I've done this myself, we, you pursue something, you create something, and you think the creation of that thing is what will bring the shift or the happiness. But what I've learned over the last three years is invariably when I look back and as I'm going through sometimes, if I can be present enough, is it's not so much the end goal, it's the journey. It's, it's, and that sounds very cliched, but it's, if, I, if, I can, if I can go through it all knowing with a mindset of curiosity and willingness to learn and understand that no, more, no matter what obstacle is put in front of me, if I'm curious enough, I'll get past it. And then when I actually move along in that journey a little bit more, I can then see actually it wasn't the end goal of creating that thing. It was the learning that I needed. But it's, it's very hard to take on that sometimes if you were emotionally engaged in it. You know, it's... Uh, you, you have to leave with an open mind. I mean, I have... Uh, I, I credit my wife a lot for this and a few other people, which is like... Not every thought that you have or everything that you um, end up putting into action actually makes sense. And you have to be okay with that. And if you're not okay with that, you can end up building something and putting all your eggs in one basket and getting to a point where you just give up. All right. And, and most, most people, even that start like a business and start to see mild success and grow it and everything. But if they get down this path where like what they're growing is concrete and is not open to change, then I feel like you get yourself into this place of trouble. And so one thing that I've uh, at least instilled in myself and accepted advice and feedback from my wife a lot is that, like you said, it's, it's a journey and you have to be willing to shift at any given time. And I'm not saying like you build something today and then you can really flip it tomorrow. You still have to kind of test and iterate and figure out whether or not it works. But be okay when it doesn't. And the okay when it doesn't is don't sit there and reflect on, on the reasons as to why it didn't. Sit there and reflect on all the incredible things that did happen, which is like after we built the farmer's market model, we ended up supporting these like 65 farms and businesses that loved everything we were doing, loved our relationships. I was on the phone calls with them all the time. We were doing things behind, which is what led us to this new platform, which is like helping coach farmers to, for better businesses, helping coach them on marketing and sales. And so starting a farmer's market model helped us do all of that to the point where we're launching a new platform. We feel supported. I feel like I have the community already backing me. I feel like I have Farmers already interested. I have farms uh, hiring us as to do consulting work now. And all of that came from building a farmer's market model that uh, bleeded money. Um, consumers didn't use on a scale that we thought they would, was difficult to market. People didn't use it because they weren't there yet. Meaning like people that go to a market today love going to a market. We are trying to attract people that weren't going to a market and people that weren't going to a market are using like delivery services, right? They're using uh, how can I, order online, have it delivered to my door, whether it's a grocery store, Amazon or whatever. And so it was incredibly difficult. And every day I would wake up and like, all right, what constraint do I have to figure out to come over today? Because none of it's working. And we ran it for a good year. And this, at the end of the, the year, we decided that we were going to focus on what did work, which is helping the farming community, talking to schools. And so 
we're building towards that. And um, I think what's important in that is when I started sharing that we were shutting it down. So we have some large scale um, nonprofit community members that we would work with. One of them is called YMCA here in the United States. And I was sharing that we were shutting it down and like they were taken back because like most people when they build something, which rightfully so, you grab and you hang on to it, right? Because your baby, like you created it, it's yours. And in the moment that you do that, you don't let any other things come in as far as like things that you didn't know or that you did know, but you completely discounted. Like if I were to just say, well, we're going to build this consumer model better and make it work versus sitting back and being present and saying, well, this is what did work. And then building on that, then we could go down this journey of like five years of just bleeding money, trying marketing, getting things out there and never really making it to anything. And then what happens with that is behind the scenes, which is your core values of helping people and educating your youth, our youth, you're stuck in this rat race game of the business you created, trying to stay afloat and you are less focusing on the things that you really want to do, which is helping people. And so being able to just, like you said, have that mentality to just slow yourself down and really understand what actually did work and what people actually truly care about. And then slowly building on that is powerful. And you slowly start to build the network that you need and the support system that you need to keep that going. So now I wake up every day and not think about, which I did then, how do I wake up and grow, advance this idea? Now I think about, I wake up and I have um, a support team that helps me say, how can we help you advance this idea? And then for me to be tasked with how I leverage and delegate uh, resources to help grow it. And that helps me versus trying to lead it all by myself. That's pretty cool, man. I like that. That's something I'm going to take into my day. Um, so it's, what comes to mind then for me was uh, the 80-20. You seem quite clear then on what worked and, uh, you know, what wasn't. Something I've been juggling with lately is is I've been reading more about this Pareto principle and, you know, it was I, I can never remember which way it, it works. 80% of the effort produces 20% of the results or something like that. Yeah. But it's... <laughs> How do you define what works? Like, is it the, is it waking up and having your the daily connections? Are you reaching out to people? Is it, you know, is it financial? How, how do you play with that idea? Yeah, I, so I think Tony Robbins talks a lot about this, and it's one thing that I tend to hang on a lot. He's he was one of my um, beginning. Uh, inspires i guess i would call it into education and, and learning and reading um i've moved on to a lot of other things now but one thing that he talks about is that it's uh 80 mental and 20 percent task driven meaning like if you wake up every day and you have a good hold on yourself like you're practicing solitude you're having presence you're having gratitude you're um focusing on things that matter versus just focusing on the mass if you do that 80% of your day and then 20% of the day is execution, then it should yield the result that you're looking for. And then the important part on top of that is being smart about the result that you're looking for and does it align with the uh, short-term and, and long-term goals that you set. In other words, like we're very good at, as human beings, we're very good at focusing on short-term outcomes because it feels good 
to get uh, reward or uh, to see results as soon as possible. Like if I were to, to build a business, launch it, and then have like a hundred people that day and join it, you're like, oh, sweet, it's working. And then you kind of, you, you hold on to that and you start building onto that short-term mindset instead of focusing on what you meant to do, which is like, well, through the growth period, we're going to do this strategy and we're going to, uh, as soon as we get those hundred people, we're going to really focus on how we can help those hundred people, not the next hundred. And so most of us continuously short-term and, and prioritize towards those short-term outcomes versus thinking about our long-term plan, which is what you should be thinking about every day and growing towards that like a journey. And so the result for me used to be the I'm going to spend two years in growing relationships with farms, which means that I am going to spend three or four days a week spending an hour or two uh, in the car or at their house just learning and making no money. And I was okay with that because I knew that um, to work at least in the agricultural makeup of where we live, to be able to grow this, building relationships with farmers is step one. They're not going to engage in technology or anything that you have to say for the most part, uh, unless they are early adopters, um, unless they build trust with you. And so I spent two years learning, making no money, taking a lot of notes, trying to organize those notes into thoughts and ideas. And then in some cases they had something that they needed a uh, service with and we were able to make money on it. In some cases we were not. And I was okay with that. And I was dedicated two years to doing that. Um, now the result is uh, I wake up every day and, and uh, I take one step towards building the lean program and then focus only on uh, like one consulting gig with a farm and a partnership and then slowly growing on that. And so, I mean, how that looks and feels again is not much revenue coming in right now, but the long-term play is I'm building two incredible case studies by doing an entire lean overall on a couple of farms. One is a large scale 40 acre organic farm. So a huge case, case study. One of them is a smaller scale that provides the amount of resource and trust into putting that into the lean program to help other farmers realize, Hey, I run a 20 to 40 acre farm. Hey, I run a small one to two acre vegetable production farm. That could be me. And I, Hey, I like, I like, making my work more profitable, leveraging time and all that and stuff. And so I'm committed towards the journey of building something that is valuable for others to see and to learn from, knowing that the reward is lucrative years from now. And I'm okay with that. And so I also have to be mindful that all of us are not in the same place. Like I'm fortunate enough to, to be able to support my family on what we have today to be able to focus on that journey. If you're somebody that uh, you need the money now, then it's almost like this concept of, well, what do I have to do to make sure that we get our family to where it needs to be? And then what can I do to build towards the future? Because that was the place that I was in. I mean, I, I, was, I was still working at the corporate job and managing uh, technically three jobs. So I was going to the nine to five, I was building up writing and speaking in schools and would like leave the office for an hour or two and start building that out and then slowly build up the farmer's platform. And I was doing all of that while I was working still. And so it was a lot, like there was a lot of times where I would go to work, come home, eat dinner with the family, spend as much time as I could before the kids went to bed at like uh, 7 PM or 8 PM. 
and then work till midnight and then get up and do it again. And I wouldn't promise that lifestyle or encourage that lifestyle on anybody. But it, you have to take what you have today and build on that. You can't just think about what you want in the future because then you never really take that step towards where you want to be. And so every day I would tell myself, like, I don't really want to go into the day job anymore. I want to keep doing this. But to get to that, I have to stick to the day job, make the money, support my family, and slowly build towards that. And how can I stay focused? Well, two things I care about, my core values. I'm going to take one step towards that a day, no zero day concept, and know that it's going to take me two years to get to a point where I want to do that. And I think what that taught me is now this concept of uh, not always being driven uh, by money every day and making it a focus where I have to wake up every day and say, well, how can I make money today? I got to this point where I realized that it's a journey and I've uh, built this foundational level that says I'm going to practice uh, low spending and high learning to build towards something that I know is a future for our family and a future for generations to come. And I feel like I've gotten to that practice because I stuck it out at the corporate job for a couple of years so that I could build it. That's cool. That's very really cool. I mean, I can, I can feel the, the, uh, certainly resonate with the second part of that where you you feel like you've got to stick something out to yep. provide what you need. And what you, yeah, what you, what you need, which is basically what I did about a year ago when I shifted. But a lot of the stories that come back to me when I, when I considered making my shift, was, um, what about the pay cut? What about the pay cut? Yes. And I had a chat with my boss recently in a review, and uh, he said, um, "I was going, I was a job working out." And I said, I "said it's awesome," I, and and I meant it. Is this so? Like well, going back to what you said earlier on, um, we tend to think about what we'll, we tend to struggle and hang on to things and then don't allow new things. So I was struggling and hanging on to this old paradigm or belief of I need all this. So then I did a drastic cut, shift to jobs, which gave me more structure around my time with my family. Meant I could go training before work, which meant I lost the guilt that I used to have when I used to come home and go training, we're more, we're more pr uh, present and um, understand. We've got better foundations in our in our money. We know where our money is going. Yeah. Um, and I've had the opportunity. <laughs> this is a crazy part. I've had opportunities come my way, um, paid opportunities that I would never ever have been able to take advantage of if not for that structure and steadiness around time. That, that job provided. If I had a discussion with anybody that's in, in those roles, the first thing that comes up is, what about the money? And, and to, to think like I was there for so long. And when people say that, it's like, you just want to like turn a key in their head and say, no, look at it this way. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's like, dude, you got one life. You don't yes. hear once. <laughs> so yes. so why, why on earth? Would you, would you just be focusing on that one aspect? Is the rest of your life so gravy that, you know, and if it is, kudos to you, go and enjoy it. But if it's not, if there's any element of doubt that maybe this is not quite right for you or I want to go and run a and b in Cornwall and, you know, host surfers, or that's, that's the thing done with us. Um, 
or whatever it is, then why not go do it? Why not put yourself financially in a position where you can afford to do that? That's what I, I had to do to make my transition to the job I'm in now. I had to sit my family down. I, <laughs> I let them firmly know the telly would be cut. It would be, you know, minimal. You could have, still have Netflix, but you wouldn't have any Skype. You don't have a Skype package. Um, and there was a ton of other stuff that went off the table as well. Car disappeared, fuel, insurance, and everything all went off the table. Yeah. Just so I could pursue this. And then I said, are you okay with that? I said, and they also looked at me and I said, well, I think somebody said, what, is it, what will it mean for you? I said, well, I said, Daddy, be home more often. He said, you know what time I'm coming home. Um, I said, I get to tuck you in every night. And when I'm home, I'll be more present. Because the other job was, for me, was used to play on my mind when I left. And it's been the most significant, most impactful change I've ever made in my entire life. And, ho and hopefully my kids are feeling that. It, I hope they are. So that's, you're so right, man. Beautiful. Powerful. <laughs> that's beautiful, Joel. I mean, I, I think the one key phrase you said in there, right, is like you have one life, right? Because mm -hmm. at any given time, like you could choose to focus on things. And so, you know, the concept is like uh, where your focus goes, your energy flows. And that's, that's true, right? Like if I'm just going to focus on, well, it would be nice to have more money and I don't really like my job, but yeah, at the end of the day, like you just keep telling yourself that, but you don't keep telling yourself, well, I'm grateful that I have this job. I can wake up and eat every day and support my family. What else could I do? What else could I grow to? How might it look like if I built something? What if I built it and I just made like a couple hundred bucks or whatever? Like, what if I just did that? And so we we're all capable of doing that and we all know that there are ex an extensive amount of resources that can help us with everything at, at your fingertips these days online i mean and so it really just takes just a mindset shift like you said um and then a practice of it i mean i'll i like to go back to how my wife and i were able even to get to this point of like how you balance life and work and money is like shortly after we had our first kid we she quit her job and we made this decision where i was going to support the family on a medial income and the concept was that we wanted to spend more time with our kids at home my wife wanted to spend more time with the kids not at work knowing that she could go back and work or do whatever she wants later in life and we knew exactly what that would mean to us it would mean that we didn't have two incomes we would be strapped with spending we have to change our entire lifestyle and we were okay with that. And some days and some years were extremely difficult, man. I, We would get to the end of the year and we would be in so much debt. I mean, we had student loan debt from school. We had debt from using credit cards because we were trying to manage on one income. But at the end of the day, the one thing still had held true, which is she got to be at home with the kids all day. I got to see him on lunch. Um, we didn't have to think about who was going to take work off to be with him here or there. And so, and that's what, this is something that we just truly cared about. And at the end of the day, it made us happy. And I like to think that, you know, taking that leap and managing that helps us manage it today. Right. Which is like, no, no big deal. Like we are in a place of extreme debt, uncertainty, making decisions on the fly. Why can't we do that now? Knowing that back then it was, how can I keep my job and make my uh, incremental movements up in the corporate ladder 
and continue to help support our family year after year, try to get us out of debt and all that. Now I wake up, we have similar constraints because we're trying to grow something, but there's a future, right? There's a, there's a life support. There's a lifeblood there, right? There's a growth there. There's a value. There's a thing that I wake up and I love every day. And then what you alluded to too, is like the power of, of your physiology change by making that movement, whether or not it's difficult on spending and financial or whatever, to spending more time at home and not stressed about your rat race or your job you hate or whatever like that. And then taking that home and changing not only your physiology and how you think, but how your family interacts with you, how you're being uh, looked at as a role model. I mean, think about all those aspects and be present with that grateful, which is like what you said, makes you happy, helps make them happy. And then by making them happy, it helps them grow. And maybe you can teach your kids to do something that maybe helps them get there faster than what you did, which is what I hope to do is like teach our kids, don't spend the 10 years doing something that you hate. Do spend 10 years doing something that you love. If you have to build in a, a job that maybe you don't love to help you get there, like maybe you bartend or you wait tables at a restaurant and make money enough so you can build your project do that but then know that like building towards that project is a journey and you'll get there and all and all this awesome thing at the end and it's not about 10 years of doing something that you hate and then hitting a breaking point and then realizing that you need to shift later in life because you can do you can avoid all of that by building small early on and one story I'll share that this came up recently related to the coronavirus, which I thought was incredible. So we, we have um, this uh, house cleaning uh, lady that comes in and helps out clean our house once in a while. And because she can't go to houses because of the quarantine and everything, her entire business is, is shut down, right? But the other day she posted on social media that because she can't help out in homes and make money, she was able to get access to organic seeds, started growing her own little mini plants in her house. And because it's difficult for people to get groceries and all that in back order and anything like that, is she's selling these large allotments of like uh, vegetable plants, basil plants, or whatever it is to people. And she's making money by doing that. And I just, I look at that and I was like, that is so beautiful. Like she is not a gardener. She is not, I mean, from what I understand, I mean, she could have her own back garden. She's not no intention of building a business of like seeding things and selling to people and all that. She's, she loves cleaning. Like she, she even told us like it's mindful, like relaxing to her to pop in a podcast and help, you know, clean people's homes and then go on and do it again while her kids are at school. She does this as her job. And they're just, step out of that mindset of doing it for however many eight to 10 years she's been doing it and shift to this growing seeds and plants and selling it to people is incredible. And if that doesn't inspire you to, to think about how you can shift towards anything that you're doing in life, then I don't know what will, because that is a really simple, uh, basic example of somebody that is not accepting that the coronavirus has basically crippled her entire business for the time being. And accepting that and sitting in a dark room and saying, man, this sucks. Like, what am I going to do? I, I love doing that. How am I going to gain my solitude and my thoughtfulness back and my podcast time and all that? Like, how can I do How can I gain my life back? 
plant seeds. Uh, that's incredible. <laughs> so beautiful story, man. I love that. That's uh, talking about being able to pivot. Wow. It's uh, yeah. It's it's it's, it's this Corona. I mean, we haven't alluded to it much, but sort of said like you know, there's opportunity there. It's just it's easy. It's easy to get tried. When it first kicked off, we were glued to the news, and um, because of our situation, we were fresh out of the flood, so we were living in a in a hotel in Cardiff, just watching the news because that's really the only tidy channel I was on the TV. Um, and I saw the kids sort of were glued to it, and we were glued to it, and we were watching. We were very up to date, and then it's easy to slip into that point where you're you're just consuming so much negative information. It's hard to pull yourself back to be distanced from it, so you can sort of like observe it, but not engage with it. And and what I think what a lot of people get stuck in is, you know, because because Corona is so, I mean, it's, it's death, so it's it's emotion. So people get stuck in in the the emotional aspect of it, and then it's difficult to remove themselves from it. Do you do you see that as well in 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 what you've seen so far? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy to focus on what's happening in the world, how it makes you feel. Like, do you feel trapped? Sometimes I feel trapped, you know, not leaving the house. Or even if we're outside, like, I don't think I've gotten in my car and actually drove it for three weeks. And I'm somebody that travels. I mean, so just just think about, like, how that makes you feel and then everything you read about. But what oftentimes we don't focus on what we should is that, what's unique about the coronavirus is it impacts us all in the same aspects and what comes with that is extreme kindness and so behind the scenes like there is a tremendous amount of work of people that are probably jumping into moments of kindness maybe when they didn't do anything like that or maybe they did on a smaller scale because they kind of just led their life and they're like, well, you know, I think it's important to give back. So I'm just going to, you know, get back here and there and whatever. And, but now we're all in this place. And so you start to find people like at the same level, no matter what nationality they come from, culture, whatever, rallying together to create opportunities of, of growth and support and, and kindness. And, uh, I think that's what we should be focusing on. Like how cool is it that as an economy, we're able to kind of do that, you know, and businesses shifting towards like, um, what was it? Uh, alcoholic distilleries in the United States are slowing production on alcohol and making um, homemade hand, uh, sanitizers, hand sanitizers. Because they have the ability and the capacity in their manufacturing to, create it make it alcohol based and then just mass distribute it to hospitals and consumers and everything you oh, have yeah. people that are very good at like knitting um are taking like fabric and making like homemade masks and then distributing them to i mean so it's just there's so much good that is coming out of this despite all the uh, turmoil of quarantines and all the sadness with um, fatalities and, and everything. There's a lot of kindness coming out of this and that's cool to focus on. And sometimes what helps me get through it is like, because we're in a place of, of, of gratefulness and gratitude and be able to do that and, and generosity 
Um, I can't physically go out and help uh, in person because it might not be the best thing for the economy or for my family, but we can help um, logistically help. Uh, like for example, we have a local meal prep company in the area that has repurposed to prepping food for hospitals and giving free meals to nurses and doctors and everything. And so we have our part in not only donating uh, money to them, but uh, connecting them to all our farmers and having all our farmers donate their extra produce and having them prepare meals for the nurses and, and all that. And so finding every pocket of Avenue to do those type of things um, and then really leveraging and sitting on that every day versus reading um, the bad news. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I said that, that boils down to one thing, isn't it? And that's a choice. It's a choice. Of what, what do you want to see? Yes. And what are you going to focus on? Where are you going to place your energy? And what are you going to build? So I think that's a lovely place to leave it for the day, Troy. It's uh, a nice parting gift for people to choose what they're going to um, choose to see in the world with all the fear that's currently out there. Or do they see all the kindness and love that is actually there? You're probably more connected right now and more forgiving, more willing to share with others than we probably ever have been in human history. Yes. I, and if you're somebody that often chooses to focus on things that leave you in a state of panic, fear, uh, what I would offer to you is change your state. Think, do less about like the information you're going to take and how it makes you feel. Do it more with motion. Just get out and walk or do something that you would normally do and just find how that might shift how you might think about things. And so I like to offer that to people that kind of get stuck in thinking about um, fear and not being optimistic and things like that. It's just go move your body and do something you would normally do. Uh, be a little bit crazy right now. And crazy helps you sometimes um, think differently. Absolutely. Well said, Troy. Well said. Okay. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I always enjoy having a conversation with you. It's always uh, meaningful and uh, I certainly got a ton of takeaways myself. So thank you very much, Troy. Absolutely, Joel. I love it, man. I'm always willing to come on and I hope it was helpful to, to everybody that's listening. So. Sure it was, man. Sure it was. Thank you very much. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. Oh, man. Thank you, Troy. Dude, I love these conversations. <laughs> yeah, man. Me too. I, um, I, and I'm, I'm get, I don't know. Maybe podcasts are something that people kind of... Um, levitate more towards in these moments like because it gives people an opportunity to to not only share um thoughts and process and knowledge but um to talk about impacts in their life and we're all kind of living the same game yeah right so it's cool to have something that is relatable on all levels absolutely absolutely um do you you said about um your speak you're a so you're a, you're a paid speaker and that's your role is that something you've been doing for long or are you building that out now? 
Uh, voluntarily, I spoke in schools for two and a half years before even turning it into a business and uh, getting paid for it. Um, I really ramped it up this year uh, because I had the leverage of, of resources to do so. Um, in the future, like I said, I'd, I plan to do more online learning uh, programs, uh, videos and things like that, writing, um, and then keep speaking as like a added and added revenue um, because I enjoy it. I actually enjoy speaking in schools and I feel like farmers is going to put me there anyways, probably yeah. more specifically talking about agriculture and stuff. Um, but I like to think that I could offer more impact to people on a large scale by doing online learning programs. And I'm finding that more and more. So some other podcasts I've even been on, uh, one was like a, this guy runs a podcast in India and he was talking about that uh, kids in India aren't really provided the right uh, coaching and guidance to do things that they love. And he wants to create a podcast that like, talks about that like how you can do that and how you can find resources and that just led me even more to it like how can I create something that you know kids in India can watch and listen to and use because I may never travel to a, a, a grade school in India and, and give a talk right it might it just might not ever happen but what could happen is you know me giving a virtual talk or me writing and giving content so that they can build towards that and then giving a platform where they can interact or ask questions and stuff. And I, I feel like that's more impactful than it is to focus on localizing speaking gigs. Um, so, like so me and the missus are uh, doing, we want to get into this world and we just playing with it, but we don't really know where to start. I wondering if you did coaching or if you've got any first steps or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it depends on where you want to do it, how you want to market it. But um, writing has been something that's at least allowed me to leverage um, connecting with people. Because, like, okay. especially when you're building a coaching or a speaking business, most people are going to look at you and say, all right, well, you know, who's Troy or whatever. And so I think just building, like, this portfolio of resources on things that you care about, care to write about, and are an expert at um, helps you build that. And then, um, like for consulting, um, just listening. As weird as that sounds, like I, I, I spent a lot of time, like there were, so like for, for example, this 40 acre uh, organic farm that I'm gonna be consulting on, it didn't just start with like me calling them or sending them an um, email or whatever and saying, hey, I'd love to talk about implementing lean on your farm or help you. Like it started with, me reaching out and just saying, hey, I'd love to learn more about your farm. I know that you have a lot of people that have come out of your farm and have started their own. So it's almost like they run like an incubator farm to teach people. That's love awesome. to learn about that. And so him and I sat down the first time, just chatted, shared stories. Second time, we talked a little bit more about business related stuff. And then now we're diving into like consulting services and all that. And so really it took three three like trust building learning relationship things to land that and then my thought process is like building a case study on that will help exponentially grow the opportunity where i don't have to although i think it's great for relationship building 
I can't effectively meet with every single farmer and then meet three times before we do anything um, to maximize time. Maybe we get to the point where we can hire people to kind of go out and do that prospecting, but me personally. So building a case study actually helps me prove all of those conversations where I could have one call sharing trust, stories, relationships, and then have them be able to leverage or understand credibility by the case study. And so that's how I'm going to grow consulting uh, and coaching and stuff like that is like, it starts with one, it starts with building the credibility and the foundation. And then from there, it's really leveraging what Seth Godin, actually, what did I mentioned in the podcast talks about, which is the best type of marketing is word of mouth. And you find your niche and you start coaching and all that, you better believe like that person is talking to other people uh, within their network. Or if at any point you said, Hey, I know you're, you're connected to John. Um, any chance like you can connect with John and like that introductory email already gets you one step in the door. And so word of mouth marketing is incredible for a consulting and coaching type business. That's cool. And would you rate that out MBA? The all MBA was incredible, man. I w- yeah. it was well, well worth it. I better than any educational thing that I've ever done, including going to a four year university. I it was six weeks, cohort groups from around the world. Uh, you know, people from from England and Australia and everything were in this program. You set your own time zones when you want to learn. You learn in cohorts. You have these series of things to work on as a group. What's cool about it is you get a project, you have to deliver like three projects within a week. You get a project on Monday, you meet with your cohort to discuss it, and then you have to deliver it within a matter of hours. So it's basically to get you to think about the impossible. Yeah, so I'll share this one example with you. Um, We did, I think we delivered 13 projects in six weeks is what you do eventually. But the one project, and it was the second project of of the course program, is you assembled in your four to five uh, cohort team. And I think, so we had we had one person from Canada, one person from Washington, D.C., one person from New York, one person from California. And you got to figure out a time that worked for everybody. But the project was you have to come up with 99 business ideas. And the way that we, you can organize however you want, the way that our team came up with it is like each person does 20 or whatever, right? So you come up with 99 business ideas and then 99 micro business plans. So they give you like a small template, but basically you have to build a little mini business plan for every single one of those ideas and then deliver it before midnight. And so the concept is a lot of times in life, we get to a certain point and we view things as being impossible. And this whole program teaches you that it's not impossible. And not only can you get it done, but you can leverage people, you can leverage expertise, resources, and you can leverage what you already know to be true deep down in yourself, which is we're all awesome at coming up with these thoughts and execution plans when we're put to the task of doing it and the whole program is built around that mindset and it's incredible that's so brilliant it, it, yeah it's quite pertinent for where i am right now with what we've got going on we're trying to so it's mainly misses i think about launching this couples coaching but we're not thinking we are um yeah and uh i don't know if you've got time for this just quickly yeah yeah so yeah so we were trying to we had to we got a we're going on a webinar so we sort of half hour pitch and we've never pitched anything because we've literally just come up with it last week and yesterday i had bloody palpitations um and i've had them the last few 
over the last week, which I used to have in my own job. Never had them since. But it's, and I'm sort of realizing maybe this is me. It's the other end of excitement. It's the anxiety. I don't know what I'm doing. This is new. I'm going to be a new bit. It. And uh, I was really, I was sat there. I, I checked myself out. My arms crossed. My legs were crossed. And she's asking me questions. And I'm giving her one word answers. And I'm thinking, she said, you just don't want to do this right now. I said, no, I don't. And then we start, I said, oh, just break it down. Let's just do the next thing. So we did one thing and wrote one thing down that we were going to cover, like money or uh, communication. And from there, then it started with a flow, you know. And the, I noticed the palpitation stopped. But it, it, dude, that showed up so strong. And me getting in my own way, you know. It was yeah. like right, right in my face, I have this. Because monkey mind's going mad. <laughs> and it doesn't know what's coming next, you know. I just wanted to share that. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, it happens to everybody, man. That's so true, though, you know. We just, in those moments, like, we can continue to spiral or we can just, like you said, focus on one thing or just completely shift, which is, like, get up and walk around or something and yeah. say, I know that I should really be getting something done here and I know that we plan to shoot a video or do what something. but if your mind's not in the right place, just get up and spend that 30 minutes doing something else that gets your mind out of that and then come back to it. Um, because we all get to that point. And um, most of the time, like you said, it's fear driven. And the fear is because it's different. If you guys were running a consulting uh, coaching or couples coaching business for five, 10 years, that probably wouldn't be something that would shake you. You know, it would be, Oh, we kind of hit this point where we're, we need to grow or we need to change a little bit aspects of our business. And then you try to like, you know, bang your head against like, what do we do? How do we do this? Who do we reach out to? But because it's all unknown, um, there's uh, so one cool thing. So this, um, this book I'm reading talks about um, like war and everything. And so Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was the president of the United States, also an army general, um, had this concept where in order to actually give a, an order effectively to somebody to carry out, um, he had to uh, understand that fear comes in the presence of unknown information, which is like the people that he was trying to give orders to told when he tried to tell them that they were going to do this uh, tactic or whatever in war, they all hesitated and said that they weren't doing it. And the reason that they came to, to tell him without him asking he wouldn't have known but he got to the point where he had to ask is like we're not going to do that because we don't understand like we don't understand uh what we're going to do in that how the outcome would be beneficial for us where we're all going to die and at that point he's like oh so fear not only for ourselves but for other people comes in the form of information not yet known and so basically he spent time breaking down known information that he knew to them to get them to be able to carry out a tactic. And so the book talks about how important that is not only to lead others, but to lead yourself, which is like, ask a better question. Like, I feel like this because what don't I know today? Like, what, what don't I know? Like me shooting this video, I feel a little bit nervous about because what am I not knowing? Like, what don't I know? Is it because I'm not sure how to shoot an effective video one-on-one -on -one, or I'm not sure on 
uh, whether or not my, my answer or the advice I'm about to give is going to be valuable to somebody else. And how might I find out knowing that? What other people are doing? What are, what are other people processing and, and paying for or care about? Like, what don't I know today? And then lead with that question to help you get through that. Um, what's the name of the book again? Leaders? Lead Yourself is the name of the book I'm reading right now. Yeah. Check that out, man. Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time again, Troy. Um, let's keep in touch. And uh, I'm going to try and connect you with a, a farmer in America who's on the mastermind they did. And he's a potato farmer. Um, Great. But I'm not sure where. Obviously, US is a big place. Um, but I'll connect you anyway. And it might just be a good conversation. But he was he was in a, one of the growth groups I was in over there. Yeah, I'd love to. Are we, the platform we built uh, that will launch hopefully in May here is uh, global. Oh, so cool. Okay. Any farm can sign up. Any farmer can put a profile on there. And then the idea is um, when they sign up, they build farm profiles. So we have this huge search engine. So eventually when we build it up, um, consumers can go on there, type in their location. They could type in any country or whatever they're in. And then any type of product, uh, fruit, vegetable, meat, and then it'll pull up, pull up a search results, almost like Google. Uh, oh, wow. okay. So that's what it'll look like to a consumer. Uh, but farmers can engage on it for wherever they live. So. Okay, definitely. So I'll try on LinkedIn. If not on LinkedIn, you, you're a messenger as well, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, cool. Okay. All right, mate. Let's keep in touch. Uh, stay safe, stay well, and love to the family and speak soon. You too, man. Let me. Hey, if you ever need anything with uh, your guys' uh, coaching business that you guys are running together, um, let me know. I'm always there to help. So give me a call oh. or shoot me a message. Awesome. Thank you. I was going to say, I'm thinking of putting together some people, uh, yourself. Um, so far, I've got about six people that I'd like to create like this, um, but like a webinar type thing. But we just, so it's like, it's, it's not quite a podcast, but it's maybe everyone talking to their aspect. Yeah. Whether yours is like mindset or whatever you want it to be, or business or entrepreneurialism, um, I'm going to try and get that up and running within the next few weeks. So, this one, yeah, like a, like a virtual summit, okay. yeah, but yeah, 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 that's sweet. I don't know if you've uh, I know you know Brian Morgan, but if you haven't asked him yet, um, he would be probably a good one to add. Uh, I, I wouldn't have thought of Brian, but yeah, definitely, I will, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. He just his uh, what he talks about is just completely different than most people so it's a good ad okay cool man lovely job all right well have a good day all right sounds good joel talk to you later cheers right yeah so thank you for listening today i hope you enjoyed it my name is joel ingram and i am a certified nlp coach i help passionate resourceful and professional people feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit.